2: Fierce is a production of iHeart and Tribeca Studios. In July of 1848, four women sat at Marianne McClintock's kitchen table in upstate New York to draft the Declaration of Sentiments. Their plan was to present the document and the accompanying resolutions at the Women's Rights Convention at Seneca Falls later that month. These women were gathering at a time when they had virtually no power in the eyes of the law. There was no precedent for their actions, for what they were writing. All they had was faith in their own abilities and in the inherent righteousness of their crusade. What was their crusade? Equality for women. See, one of them had the idea to model the Declaration of Sentiments on the Declaration of Independence itself. 72 summers earlier, Thomas Jefferson had committed to paper the radical concept that it was self-evident that all men are created equal. So Stanton and McClintock, they amended Jefferson's sentence to include two universalizing words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal. I'm Joe Piazza, and this is a bonus episode of Fierce the podcast about the women left out of your history books, probably because men wrote most of history. What I just read is an excerpt from Jennifer Palmieri's excellent new book, She Proclaims, our declaration of independence from a man's world. It takes Marianne McClintock's declaration to the next level. Jen is the former White House communications director for Barack Obama and the director of communications for Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Dear Madam President. Until I read Jen's new book and talked to her about it, I'd never heard Marianne McClintock's name, much less the story of this group of women who wrote a radical declaration that their rights were equal to those of men. I talked to Jen for this bonus episode to find out how she's carrying on Marianne McClintock's legacy today and why we still need a declaration of independence from a man's world. Also, what can every woman do right now to start making the world a better place for all women in marginalized communities? So let's get started by just having you tell me a little bit about who you are. I'm Jennifer Palmieri,
3: and I've worked most of my life in politics. I was Hillary Clinton's communications director in 2016, I was Barack Obama's communications director at the White House before that and spent decades working in democratic politics. And after that 2016 experience where people in the Clinton campaign, people who covered Trump, we were sort of the first through the looking glass of, you know, like the world that was to come. And I wanted to write a book about the experiences I saw with women being held to a higher standard in politics. I think women are all sort of having the same awakening at the same time. And I think this reckoning that we're having has been a long time coming and you see it both with women coming to terms with their lack of power, all people of color coming to terms with their lack of power,
2: and trying to do things differently. How did what Marianne did at that kitchen table inspire you to make this a true call to action instead of just another nonfiction book?
3: These women were abolitionists. Mary McClintock was an abolitionist. The women's rights movement has its beginnings in the abolition movement. And so as these women are working in the abolition movement, they start to become empowered themselves and be like, why don't I have rights? Uh, And also there was a sense that if women had the right to vote, they would vote to end slavery and they would be good allies in that way. And I just, this idea that, you know, here it is in the 19th century, we're not even at 1850, and these women are sitting at their kitchen table in their farmhouse in upstate New York. No one cares what these women think. They have no reason to think anyone's going to care what they declare. And they put it on, they sit down, they put it on paper anyway, and they decide, I'm going to take that clause, that principle that America's founded on, that everybody's created equal, and I'm going to make that apply to the people excluded from the start to women. And it's going to matter, and I'm going to demand these rights. And this is why I think it's important we say this stuff out loud. That's why the book's called She Proclaims, because we have internalized so much that tells us not to value ourselves, that tells us we have to act like men, that tells us that we're doing something wrong. And if you commit it to paper the way these women did, and then you're like holding yourself accountable, I'm going to be this change in the world. And you know, it took 72 years, but eventually got, they got there. I thought this was all in the past; the women's rights movement was settled.
2: And now I was like, wow, we're not done, and we we could slip back easy most women that I know, even women who are involved in the feminist movement and care about pushing everything forward, still don't know the names of a lot of the women that were involved in the women's suffrage movement. But also those women fought so hard, so tirelessly. After they achieved what they achieved, do you think they thought that we were then on a path to continue kicking that ball forward, to continue making change year after year? And what do you think they would think about where we ended up? women's rights were not considered
3: an issue uh, further on in the 1920s because it was everything was considered resolved <laughs> and the declaration of sentiments is this outrageous expression of female ambition they go through all the ways that their rights are denied what they're not permitted that men are they demand immediate access to all rights that men have but they also say at the end that they are sure that they're going to be mocked that they're going to be subject to derision that they're going to be subject to misinformation <laughs> in pursuing their cause but they will not be do- they will not be stopped and so that it was remarkable because it was, you know, language that you could read
2: today about how women are treated in America today. Nothing's changed. Absolutely, nothing's changed. Well, and their declaration, while in, intensely radical at the time, but also beautiful and also sensible. If you read it, <laughs> you're like, well, this just just makes good sense. Um, women should be able to own property. <laughs> women should be able to own property. It is amazing to me that they're. Words have been, they're not. I don't want to say lost to history, but that more people just don't know that it even happened. I didn't learn it in school, did you? No, of course, I didn't learn it in school. No,
3: I had to learn. I, any, anything I know about suffrage, basically, I learned in the last two years writing this book. And the only reason why some of it is memorialized is because some of the women themselves understood, if we do not write this down, no one will know it happened. And they memorialized a good bit of it. But I think this is like part of our charge now. You got to go back Find these stories, learn them. That's why Fierce is so great to like make sure that women that haven't gotten their due are known. And also they inspire me. We need to be inspired by other women and make it your charge to learn these stories and also learn from the mistakes because there's, you know, a lot of some of the suffrage history is like well-documented. It's pretty ugly in terms of race. And there are times when women allowed Southern politician racists to pull back progress of black women and like weren't good allies along the way so you know what i've tried to do with this book is say like here's what happened here's how we can do it better and here's what you can just do in your own life and i push myself to be specific for that reason because it is all so nebulous (laughs) it's
2: so nebulous i think we need specifics right like and everyone wants a task tell us what kind of action we could take today to try to proclaim and change the world just a little goddamn bit.
3: Go out of your way to support another woman today. Just go out of your way to do it and it, like, it will come back at you tenfold. Not that like it needs to, but that it will. Don't let that doubt enter your mind that you're in competition. She is your sister and if you support her, this is when the lid comes off. This is when everything is possible.
2: Part of the reason we wanted to do Fierce was because men wrote most of history. How can we reclaim that history? How can we reclaim this great storytelling and rewrite parts of history by recognizing the women whose shoulders that we've been standing on?
3: I think because, like, we've internalized so much of this, we don't see how history clouds our own view of ourselves, right? We expect to do worse than men and accept it when it happens. We think we're supposed to sound like them. We think we're supposed to dress like them. You know, you know this is like all the things that we have thought that we had to behave like. And I want women to be proud that they've come as far as they have, that they managed to succeed with all of those barriers in place. And what I go through in the book is chapter by chapter, there's a proclamation of something that we are shedding that we're getting rid of. Like, I think the most important thing you can do is support other women. We buy into this notion that female success is a finite resource, right? Mm -hmm. Amen to that. No one thinks a white man's (laughs) success is a finite resource. If that were true, the late night TV show hosts would not look like what they do, right? There would not be one woman. That's what we hold up as like what a gracious host looks like is a white guy, unless you're Samantha Bee. We buy into that notion when we think we're in competition with other women, what we're really saying is, I'm not sure I belong here. There's only room for so many of us to succeed. And I really believe when I've looked at like, why are we not making progress? Why are there still only... 7% of the Fortune 500 CEOs are women, right? 75% of Congress are men, 100 years after women getting the right to vote. There's no black governors. There's only nine female governors. We are operating in a system that wasn't built for us. So you have to change what you can change, what's in your own power, which are the biases and the beliefs and the behaviors in your own head that hold you back. And chief among them is that I am in competition with other women. So support women. (laughs) That is the book in two words. (laughs) Me Too is Believe Women. This book is support women. And that means yourself too. I have one chapter in the book that's called Man's World. I'm just not that into you. And it was just my favorite title of the chapter. It's the best. And, and it goes and it starts by asking the reader to think about what it would have been like for men if women had been in charge from the start, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if every time in your whole life growing up, every time you heard a president speak, it was a woman's voice. Yeah. Like, yeah. When we heard exactly. when we heard male politicians, we'd be like, "Ooh, gosh, that's so off-putting. He's so loud. He's got this big booming
2: voice. It's I would booming. Sound like, he sounds like my dad. Sounds like my
3: dad. That's terrible. Like, mm-hmm. or if we're talking about the women's soccer team, if all every, if every Sunday we all the family all sat around the television and watched women play soccer." You know, as opposed to men play football, like there are all these things that we internalize about what a leader looks like and sounds like. There's just nowhere else for us to go. I was like, I feel like I've had great male mentors. They all want women to succeed. They're frustrated too that women aren't doing well. Be grateful for all that. Be grateful for the experience that we had in the man's world. Everything we learned, the fact that we worked harder than the guys, that means we're stronger now. That means we're faster now. And move on and stop expecting their path to work out for you. I remember in 2018, there were fewer female CEOs in the Fortune 500 than there were the year before. And I did not find it disappointing. It was validating. It's like, yeah, exactly. We're not getting anywhere. So, you know, support women, support other marginalized people, embrace your ambition. Like, we got to get over the notion that, in, that the ambition is somehow kind of an undesirable quality in women. And, you know, I, this is like the charge for our
2: generation. She proclaims, our Declaration of Independence from a Man's World is available wherever books are sold. If you haven't already, you can subscribe and download the entire first season of Fierce, all eight episodes about the incredible women whose names should be on the tips of our tongues and whose accomplishments have paved the path for all of us. You can get them right now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay Fierce.